So let, let's read 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14 following. When Elisha became sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash the king of Israel came down to him and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. Then Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. He said, open the window towards the east. And he opened. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram. For you will defeat the Arameans at Aphek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. And he struck it three times and stopped. So the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times, and then you would have struck Aram until you would have destroyed it. But now you shall only strike Aram three times. Elisha died and they buried him. Now the bands of the Moabites would invade the land in the spring of the year. So this is a very powerful story about Elisha, and there's a lot that we can learn from this about our own lives, and I'll explain how this, this links with this title, spiritual traction that, that we've got. In the Old Testament, uh, prophets were not just people that spoke about what was going to happen in the future. They didn't just have inside information from God on what would happen, facts on what would happen in the future. It was far more dynamic than that. When a prophet, prophet prophesied about what was going to happen in the future, he was bringing about what was going to happen in the future by his very speaking. It's like God who says, is not my word uh, that goes forth. It will not come back to me void, but it will accomplish everything I've sent it to do. God's prophetic word is concrete. Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock, God says. Is not like my word like a fire. God's word, when it's released prophetically, doesn't quite, but almost takes on a life of its own. And it goes into uh, the environment, it goes into circumstances, and that prophetic word works. It works and it works and it works until it brings about what God has spoken it to do and then it returns. It's a little bit like when God used his word to create the universe. God said and it was. Well, when God speaks into history, it also becomes and God's word works until it brings about the fulfillment of what's being said. So, so this is very important that, that when, when, when Elisha was giving this word to, to the king, the king didn't realize the power of prophetic word and prophetic action as directed by the Holy Spirit. And so you've got this picture, and it's obviously that the king wasn't too impressed. It was like, you know, a parlor game, kids going out playing, you know, uh, Indians and cowboys or something like that. You know, and here's the prophet, and he says, right, go and get your uh, bow and arrow. And he does. He says, let me pray for it, and he does. And then he says, open the window and shoot. And it, even then, I think the king was going, well, why? What, what good is me going to a window in the castle and firing an arrow. What, what good is that? What, what effect is that going to have? 
against my enemies. But nevertheless, seen as the prophet is being weird and wants me to do it, I'll humor him. And he sends the arrow. And as that arrow flies, then Elisha prophesies and says, the Lord's arrow of victory over Aram. So in some way, the very act of the king obeying the prophetic word and releasing that arrow seemingly purposely, purposelessly from a natural point of view, as it happened, then Elisha said, that's your victory right there in that action. And then we have Elisha saying, take those arrows in verse 13 and strike the ground. And by this time, the king is thinking, oh, well, what is all this nonsense? What has this got to do with battle and defeating the enemy? So you can almost, you can see he didn't do it with faith. He just took these arrows and you can see going one, two, three. There you are, done what you've told me to do. But look, Elisha was very angry and said to him, you should have done it. You should have taken, basically what Elisha is saying is, you should have taken me a lot more seriously than you just have. You should have taken my word to you a lot more seriously than you just have. Because you only hit the ground three times. Therefore, in real battles, you will only defeat Aram three times. That's it. You won't defeat them again. If you had taken those arrows and you had hit that ground five, six, seven times and not stopped until I said, whoa, that's enough, then you would have found that you would have victory in real life. Well, what has this got to do with my title, Spiritual Traction? Well, it's got everything to do with my title, Spiritual Traction. Could it be that some of us, we need a spiritual tire change? You know, when, when someone's tires are getting run down and they're almost getting bald, and you know that if somebody was to hit the brakes during a rainstorm or something, that car would have no traction on the ground because it's got no traction in it. it it's lost its, its grip. But when you get a new tire with new traction, then you've got a lot more grip on the road when you're going around corners and everything. It's tighter, it's more fuel economic. And if you have to hit the brakes, well, that traction's going to grip, are going to grip. It's where we, we get the phrase almost like when, when the rubber hits the road. When we use the phrase, well, when the rubber hits the road, what we mean, really mean is when it really counts, when it really happens, when the rubber hits the road. And so, Traction in our lives, spiritual traction means that we can actually see God making a difference in our daily lives. We see an actual progression of the kingdom of God in our character and our nature, but we also see God coming through in different situations and scenarios, and we begin to see an increase in the manifest the manifestation of the kingdom. We begin to see God at work, God at action. Maybe there's some people here today or watching uh, on the screens. And uh, if we look at your life spiritually, uh, you're slipping and sliding all over the place. I'm, I mean, you, you know, you, you can't seem to get a grip 
of your spiritual life. You can't seem to get a grip of life. You can't seem to see God's principles uh, and God's words coming to pass in your life. You're just sliding around whatever way that you're taking. It's like a car on ice and, uh, and, and the person turns the wheel and there's no traction because of the ice and the, the tires aren't right. And so you just begin to spin out of control. If you've ever been in a car where, where you've lost control on the ice, you know there's le- very little things you can do. You can steer into it if you like, but you, you, you've, got, you've got no traction. A friend of mine in Finland, when I go and visit him, uh, they, they always change their tires in the winter. And they don't just have tires with great grip, but actually what they do is they have these like metal studs in the tire. And so when they're going on these roads that are ice, it's these like metal studs that give the car traction so that they can get to where they need to be. The picture that I'm getting for some of us today is that we need some of those tires so that we can actually in our lives, spiritually speaking, have traction in slippery environments and slippery circumstances that we might find ourselves in so that we can actually orientate our lives and move forward in God's will without sliding one way or sliding the other way or simply getting into a place where our wheels are spinning. When I was a young boy being brought up in Yorkshire, they bought me a trial bike, and I had a trial bike, and we used to go in the farmer's fields and and up on the hills and everything with it, and um, we had special wheels on it to give it traction, but there was times when we would get into such muddy situations that we would be revving the engine, and all that was happening was the wheel was just spinning. It didn't have any traction, but the person behind you was getting coated with mud, which was quite fun, uh, because it, it was just too muddy. There was no traction. You just couldn't get that bike forward. Now, imagine if God gives you fresh spiritual traction in your life. What's going to happen? You're going to find it's easier to go forward in the things of God. Your wheels aren't going to be spinning. The wheels of life aren't just going to be spinning and you're getting nowhere and you're revving your engine. The wheels are going, but you're not going anywhere. Sometimes I think we can, we can feel that we're in a situation where we're putting in all the, all the revving, we're going to church, we're believing God, but actually, what is actually the difference in our life week by week? week, we are stagnant, we're stuck in the mud, and we can't get out of it. And as much as we spin the wheels every way we know how, we're still in the same place. Well, God wants us to have spiritual traction. He wants us to have wheels that grip. He wants us to be able to see advancement in our lives and real divine change and the Holy Spirit at work so that we can say, yes, we are progressing forward in the things of God. Yes, I am seeing God involved in my circumstances. And although it might be difficult, we're moving forward. We're not wheel spinning. We're not sliding back. God is taking us forward to victory. Well, one of the keys to know about spiritual traction is this, is if you want kingdom traction, in your daily life, then you're going to have to get some spiritual traction in your prayer life and your believing life. You see, what good would you think taking a bunch of uh, arrows and just hitting them on the ground? It, It seems useless. How can taking a bunch of arrows and hitting on the ground defeat a real life force of Arameans? 
I mean, it, it just seems nonsensical. It seems so impractical to take a bunch of arrows and bang them on the floor in the palace as if that's going to have any traction in real life and real battle. Taking an arrow and then going to a window and firing it out of a window. How many Arameans is that going to kill? There aren't even any Arameans outside. All this sort of spiritual stuff that Elisha was talking about, I think the king thought this is absolutely no practical real value in the battles that I'm going to have to go out and fight in real life in real battle against real people that really want to destroy us. And here is this sick prophet, he can't keep himself well, he's about, he's about to die, telling me to do all this thing uh, prophetically. This was the mind of the king. But think about it. Because the king did not do spiritually what was needed, he only defeated the Arameans uh, three times. First time, fine. He saw change in life, victory in life. He saw the hand of God with him and his soldiers, and they battered the enemy. Second time, they did the same. They're moving forward. Things are changing in life. Victory is being experienced. Third time, again, you know, you think the king of Aram would have learnt, but here he comes again, and we knock him down as well. Victory in real terms. But then the fourth time, when he goes out and fights the king of Aram, what's happened? Well, for, as he sees the front and the battle raging, he's getting couriers coming back and reporting and saying, we, we can't push them back. And he's saying, what do you mean you can't push them back? We pushed them back the last three times. I don't know, we just, we just can't make headways. They, they seem to be stronger than, than, than they are. Well, well, send in the special forces. Uh, send, send in all, all the best archers. Come on, push. I need more effort. It's no good. It's no good. Try. All right, we'll try. They go back and they double their efforts to defeat the, uh, the king of Aram. But no matter how, how hard they try this fourth time, they're making no headway. They are stuck. They're not advancing. There's no traction in the battle for them to go forward. On the contrary, they're being pushed back. So the words of the prophet were correct. That if he had taken seriously spiritual things then in real life there would be practical victory and he would have dealt with his enemies totally. This is a picture of prayer. This is a picture of faith. You know, often people don't feel like they have enough time to pray about situations. Sometimes the problem is, is when you're in a difficulty, you're too busy dealing with the difficulty to spend time praying. But the problem is, if you don't pray and you just spend your time trying to practically or mentally work out how to deal with your difficulty, guess what? You're going to end up with no traction. You're going to end up banging your head against a wall, if I can put it like that. You're going to end up trying to solve everything in your life, but find that actually you're not really getting any further. You might do two steps forward, but you end three steps back. There's no traction because you're trying with all your ability and your might and your earthly resources to move forward in a direction, but there's no traction because you haven't done your due diligence behind the scenes on your knee in, before the living God and before the throne of grace. So when we fi find ourselves in difficulties, 
find ourselves with no traction in life. We're just spinning our wheels. We're not going forward or we're banging our head against a wall and we can't get a breakthrough or things aren't changing or, or, or we feel that we're stuck in a rut. Even that image there is a rut, stuck in a rut, can't move forward. All things, these things are pointing to the fact, well, have you got spiritual traction? Have you dealt with these things before the Lord? And have you asked the Holy Spirit for help? Because it's those things that are going to give you traction, help you make progress in, in, in life. Just think about uh, Jesus' advice on prayer. He says, ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. This is his teaching in Luke, straight after he gives the Lord prayer. He doesn't just give them the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, but he tells them how to apply the Lord's prayer so that spiritual traction will come into their lives so that they can make real-time progress. Ask and keep asking. Until when? Until you get an answer. Knock and keep knocking. Until when? The door is opened. Seek and keep seeking. Till when? Until you find. And Jesus promises that those that continue to ask will be answered sooner or later. Those that continue to knock will have the door opened sooner or later. Those that continue to seek will find sooner or later. Spiritually seeking, spiritually asking, spiritually knocking, like the king was to spiritually um, hit the ground with, with, with the arrows, spiritually doing these things. But Jesus says the result will be a practical breakthrough in your real earthly life. And that's why we see these prayers of traction uh, found in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done, your kingdom come, as it is in heaven, upon the earth. So we've got God's will in heaven. I wonder what God's will is for you. I wonder what God's will is for me. You know, he has a will for us all. He has plans for us, plans for a future, for a hope to prosper us. He's got a desire for you. He has opinions about your life, your lifestyle, what you're going to do this week. He's interested in the coming week in your life. He's interested in your circumstances and he's interested to see his plan come. He has a plan. He has a will and it's in heaven and it's a perfect plan. But what good is it for you for God to have a will in heaven that's not manifest on the earth? God's will could be very powerful for you in heaven, but if you don't experience it on earth, he might as well not have had a will for you in the first place. You hear what I'm saying? So in the Lord's Prayer, you're given a prayer, a prayer of spiritual traction, which will actually change circumstances and situations that you're in. Will actually allow you to move forward in God's time and God's way to achieve the things that God wants you to achieve, to overcome the obstacles that God wants you to overcome, and to get to where God wants you to be in life. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. For me, that's one of the greatest prayers that you can pray. And if you don't know what to pray about a situation or a circumstance, you can't find God's, God's will about it. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to do it. You don't know whether to take the left route or the right route or go, but you have no idea what to do. Just pray. Your will be done. Your kingdom come 
in this situation on earth as it is in heaven. It's a fail-safe prayer. And if you believe it in your heart, even though you might not know what God's going to do, he will do it sooner or later. It's a prayer of traction. Could it be that the Holy Spirit may be speaking to some of us tonight and saying, the problem is, is you're not using spiritual traction to have material traction in your daily life. You're so involved in dealing with things as they come at you uh, in the world that you're dealing them with the methods of the world, you're dealing them with the ability of the world, and you're dealing with them with the resources of the world, when if you really want to change things, then get God's kingdom to come. Begin to rely on the Lord. Begin to rely on the Holy Spirit to step in. And what will that do? Spiritual traction will give you earthly traction. Think about it. Is there ever ever, ever been a time in your life when you've prayed something through? I'm not just talking about sending up a few Hail Marys, as it were. We don't do that. We're Protestant church. But you know what I'm saying. I'm not just saying through prayers, oh, Lord, bless this. Lord, do that. I'm not talking about simple petition. I'm talking about when you get hold of a circumstance or a situation and you pray. And you pray. And you pray it through until you get a result. You knock, you push, you pray. And then eventually what happens, you get your breakthrough. Has anybody ever done that? You've ever done that? And when you're doing that, when you, when you sense God on your prayers, there's traction. You feel like you're pushing in prayer. And I just... You really are making a difference. You feel like there's traction in your prayers. You feel that you're praying in what we call the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit is not speaking in other tongues as good as that is. Praying in the Holy Spirit is praying when God's on your prayers. When, when you feel that you are wrestling in prayer, when you feel that you're pushing against something and you're praying. Sometimes when you pray through it, it can take days, weeks, months. There's been times when I've been seeking the Lord about something where I've got no traction in life. Nothing's changing, and, I, and you grab hold of God, and God grabs hold of you, and you begin to pray. And you know that when you pray, something's happening, even though you don't see it on the earth. There's traction. You're being heard. You're not seeing it on the earth, but you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, and you feel that something's happening. I remember one particular time, for months and months and months, I'd been involved in spiritual tr- traction. I'd been praying, and I'd been praying, and I'd been speaking, and I'd been speaking to the Lord about this situation. I'd been praying God's will to be done, and I just kept on, and I kept on, and I kept on, and then one day the breakthrough came, and I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do it. I was so used to that traction, to that praying, to that believing, that when the breakthrough came, it, it took me by surprise. I didn't really know how to handle it, And I remember thinking to myself, what am I going to do now? Which is a bit weird because I'm so used to believing God and and pressing through to this. Well, the victory's finally come and and I'm a little bit sort of like disorientated. I didn't expect it to come. I, I I was just so used to believing God. But you see, what had happened is spiritual traction had turned in to manifestation of the kingdom in our lives. We have to have a breakthrough in the spiritual realm, usually before we have a breakthrough in the natural realm. I mean, you think about uh, Elijah, and God gave him the word, and God said, for these years there's been 
famine in the land, there's been no rain, but rain is coming. So what did he do? What did Elijah do when he got that word? Did he just sit back and say, well, God said it, so it's going to take place? No, he took God's word, God's promise to him, and he began to pray. And he began to pray. In fact, the story says that he got himself in what were in the ancient birthing position to pray. It was almost symbolic. He was birthing a rainstorm to come off the promise and word of the Lord that rain is coming. And his servant was there. And seven times he sent his servant and said, can you see anything? And he said, no, there's nothing in the sky. It's totally clear. He did it the first time. He did it the second time. Nope, nothing's there. He prayed, and the third time, nothing was there. By that time, uh, this king certainly would have given up. It was like, you know, hitting the arrows. But Elisha didn't give up. Why? He had spiritual traction. For the fourth time he prayed, fifth time he prayed, sixth time he prayed, seventh time, well, it was a little bit of good news, but it wasn't the full thing. The servant came back and said, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah knew it was it. He knew that what he had prayed in the spiritual had now burst in a small form, but burst into the natural experience. He got up and the rain came. Sometimes the Lord will just show us an answer like that, that is the uh, fist the size of a, 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 a fist like the size of a man's hand, a cloud, a situation. It'll be the birthing. It'll be the breaking open of a dam, slowly cracking, waiting for the fullness of God's answer to come. Also, there's, there's, this, there's this sense of not giving up. God, God, one of God's major messages to his children is don't give up. Keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. In Galatians, he says, don't weary in doing good. This is in the context of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping is a kingdom principle. It's an agricultural principle, obviously, but it's also a spiritual uh, principle. Paul says that whatever you sow, you will reap. So if you sow to the flesh, if you sow to to sin, if you keep sowing... Sooner or later, you are going to reap back the judgment of the sin that you've been sowing, unless you deal with it quickly before the Lord. But also, if you sow to the kingdom of God, if you sow righteousness, if you sow love, if you sow prayer, if you sow acts of faith, then sooner or later, you will reap a harvest, Paul says. Do not weary in doing good. I wonder if there's anybody that's wearying in doing good. Why? Because you say it's got no traction. I'm trying to follow the Lord. I'm trying to love my neighbor. I'm trying to to reach out to the lost. I'm trying to apply kingdom principles. But when I do it, I don't see any results. I don't even know why I bother sometimes. All this sowing, all this trying to apply Christian principles in my lives, going God's way instead of the world's way. I'm doing all of these things. But to be honest with you, I'm not seeing much harvest, much results. It feels like there's no traction in it. It feels like I'm not going anywhere. It feels like it doesn't work. Well, just when you start to think these things, it means that actually you're in a very healthy place with God. Because you're learning to grow in faith, patience, and endurance. 
James says, consider it all joy when you, verse, when you, when you uh, face various trials, because trials produce patience and endurance. Patience and endurance is the, is the same word in the Greek. So there'll often come a place where you'll wonder, is this making any difference? My Christian life, my Christian prayers, my Christian devotion, my Christian giving, whatever, whatever it might be, my Christian witness, is this got any traction? I was praying to the Lord. Recently, one of my prayer lines has been, Father, we need more gospel traction. We need more gospel traction. What do you mean? We need an anointing on the gospel. People are sharing the gospel, but, but, but we're sharing, sharing the gospel. Not many people are getting saved. Whereas in other places in the world, you just have to mention the gospel and people are getting saved. The gospel has got such traction. And so I'm saying, Lord, give us an environment, work in our lives so that we can be in a place that the gospel has traction, it has teeth, it makes a difference, it, it, it grows, it reaps. So do not be weary in doing good for in due season. You see, God has his seasons and we have our seasons. And our ways are not his ways and our seasons are not his seasons. That's something that we, we all need to learn. But if we're doing what God wants us to do, then in due season, God will come through to us. At the end of the book of James, we have the example of Elisha that I used earlier, where James says that the, um, the prayer of a righteous person is effective and powerful. In other words, the prayer of someone, it's a effective prayer. It's powerful prayer. And he's speaking to people that are going through great difficulties in the book of James. And he's saying, look, take your example from Elijah. He was a human being with failings just like us, but he did what he could in his prayer life. He did what he could with the principles of God. And in the end, he got his answer. To get a grip, to stop slipping, to stop sliding, to make progress, to see God at work in our lives. There's nothing more wonderful to see God at work, to say, wow, God is really at work in that person's life, or wow, look at how God is, is involved in this circumstance, or, or look how God took us through this situation to where we are now. There's nothing more wonderful than seeing God intervening. God supervising over situations and we, we see the trace, sometimes it's just a trace, but we see the trace of his hand involved in some individual or some situation. Some coincidence happened, but we know that it was God that brought that coincidence to take, take place. A famous prayer warrior said that when they stop praying to God, coincidences stop happening. When they stop praying to God, coincidences stop happening. What does he mean by that? Well, he meant that when you pray to God, you release his activity. 
He arranges things. He superintends things. He micromanages things. One of my biggest prayer lines is, Lord, will you micromanage this whole process? I mean, don't leave us to our own devices. Don't, don't sort of give us a good head start. But would you come and would you daily and hourly and every second, would you be involved with my life? Would you be involved in this project? Would you be involved in this situation? Would you, would you, would you superintend? Would you, would, you t- would you take it so seriously that it will be before you that God would be fully and totally involved, knowing that as you pray these things and the Holy Spirit hears that you want to rely on him, it's his joy to be involved in our lives. 